Welcome to the Yakcast. My name is Aaron James Nicholas. And I am Jocelyn Nicholas. And today we're going to continue our unintentional and developing mini series on bread. Wow, bread. You smell bread, maybe it's done. In episode two, I talked a bit about how the breaking of bread at the feeding of the 5,000 led to one of the greatest confessions in scripture, Peter's confession that Jesus is the Christ of God, and how this beautifully reflects the imagery that we find in the Eucharist, communion, the bread symbolizing Jesus's body that was broken for us. Throughout scripture, there are themes, images, and metaphors that will continue and build and paint powerful pictures. And lately, it seems we just can't get enough bread. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Bread shows up as the first personal request listed in the Lord's Prayer. And basically speaking, this request reflects the concept of provision. Provision. P-R-O-V-I-S-I-O-N. Noun. The act of providing or supplying something for us. Verb. To supply with food, drink, or equipment, especially for a journey. So often, when we refer to biblical daily bread, We are talking about God's provision in our lives, of how God meets our needs. This request is basic. It is human. But I think in the midst of the affluence of our culture, sometimes we miss the emergency found in this simple, primary cry to the Lord, the severity in this basic request for provision. Aaron and I spent a year of our lives working and living in Batambang, Cambodia. We had the opportunity to offer supplemental education and tutoring to children living in Asia's Hope's orphan homes. And the parents of these homes would tell us stories about the children and the state that they were in when they would ride into campus in the back of a truck for the first time, usually dirty, malnourished, and scared. That evening, at their first dinner in their new home, almost every child would eat so much food that they would be physically ill because they had just arrived from a world where they never knew where their next meal would come from. Their parents would reassure them that they would be fed three times a day and that they could trust that they would again receive provision tomorrow. Yet for a while, the children would stash food in their bedrooms just in case. The same phenomenon pops up in orphan care centers around the world. In fact, there is a story from South Korea that this problem was so rampant that the children were suffering from severe anxiety. So, to lessen the children's fear, the staff would place a small loaf of bread in each child's hand as they laid down to sleep so that they could rest peacefully, free from fears of not receiving food the following day. The starkness of this reality is difficult for our comfortable minds to truly grasp in our society. But needs extend beyond merely food. According to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the hierarchy of needs is usually illustrated using a triangle. We not only require basic physiological needs such as shelter, warmth, and water, things we need for our survival, 
but we also require safety, love, belonging, acceptance, and esteem to reach our highest potential as a human being. Now that we have a full tummy and a loop over our heads, we want to have esteem, self-actualization. And along with most needs in our life, come attached a neatly packaged solution. If we are hungry, we eat food. If we are tired, we sleep. If we are sick, we get medicine. If we feel unloved, we conform to what culture tells us to gain the attention we seek. I would argue that most of our culture feels pretty well equipped to manage our needs. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. 1. God knows what we need. When it comes to our daily bread, we must begin by realizing that God knows what we need, and that he is truly able to meet our needs. But this realization comes with an action. In Matthew 6, we see that we are told not to worry about our needs, and this requires an active trust, a trust that the Lord knows what we need and that He will provide. And this requires a spirit of humble dependence. There are not many things that set off more alarms in my deceived, self-sufficient, and independent mind than the thought of dependence. To be dependent on someone or something is to need someone or something. And when it comes to the topic of provision, removing yourself from the role of provider can be a large pill to swallow. It is a dangerous place to be to truly believe you can provide for your own needs. Can you honestly say that you feel that you need God on a daily basis? That you are reliant on Him for your daily provision? Because here is the reality. We are. He is the only one who can truly meet our truest needs. And to be floating through life thinking otherwise is not a good place to be because two, God knows what we need before we know what we need. And he knows how to meet our needs better than we do. In fall of 2012, Aaron decided to finish up his biblical studies degree online. 
His list of schooling accomplishments are vast and varied, but he felt convicted that this was a degree he had begun and needed to finish. We also felt strangely convicted to step out of a musical project we were involved in in early 2013. Shortly thereafter, the invitation and opportunity to work in Cambodia was extended to us. And to our disbelief, we were available to go. Support money began to align itself, and the month before we left, all of Aaron's student loans went into deferment due to finishing his degree program online, a program which would wrap up the month that we returned to the States. The decisions that needed to be made to order our lives in a way that would allow us to be available for our time in Cambodia were all made to the day in order to set us up to go. And we made each of those decisions completely in the dark of the true purpose that it would serve. And it is moments like those that you realize how not in control of our lives we truly are and how overwhelmed and thankful you are that the Lord is gracious enough to intervene even when we believe we have everything under control. In John chapter 4, we see Jesus interacting with a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well in the Samaritan town of Sychar. Jesus asked the woman to give him a drink since she had come to draw water, to which the woman responded by asking how it was that Jesus, a Jew, was speaking to her, a Samaritan woman, which would have been completely unacceptable for the two to associate since there was a long-standing hatred between the two cultures. But Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. What began as a conversation about the physical need of thirst quickly turns and becomes something else completely. Jesus, being perceptive of her background and her brokenness, knows that her wounds could never be healed by a physical solution. This woman, having had five husbands and living with another man, was most likely emotionally devastated socially outcast, unwanted, feeling ugly, worthless. She didn't need Jesus to draw her a physical drink of water. She needed deep spiritual and emotional healing, a healing that she was unable to provide to herself and meeting a need that she may not even have realized she had. But in this story, Jesus also reveals that three, our needs extend far beyond food. When the disciples enter the scene at the well, ironically returning from finding something to eat, they're startled to see him speaking with the Samaritan woman. After she leaves, they urge Jesus to eat, but he replies, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. So the disciples said to one another, Could somebody have brought him food? My food is to obey the will of the one who sent me and to finish the work he gave me to do. Deuteronomy 8.3 tells us, And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Food is not the only provision we need. 
we have deeper needs, deeper wounds, deeper concerns, needs that Jesus is the only answer for. But before we wrap this up, I'm not quite over this bread marathon yet. There's one more biblical bread moment that we have to close with. Everybody needs bread. Jump back with me to Moses, back to the Exodus. Moses has just led the Israelite nation out of captivity. They have witnessed the miracles of the plagues and they have miraculously crossed the Red Sea. Well, about two months after the historic Exodus, they start complaining that they are hungry. Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. I find this to be a foundational example in Scripture of God's children crying out and receiving basic provision from the Lord. But let's look at this a little more closely. We are told that this bread People call it manna. was like coriander seed. Like coriander seed. <laughs> and the taste of it was like wafers made of honey. And that every morning when the dew had gone up, it appeared as a fine, flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground, and that the people would go out to gather some more, some less, but we are told that whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, Take no more than is needed for a single day, because each day the Lord will see to your needs. If you lack faith in the Lord and take more, it will rot. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. What is even going on here? Why would God do this? There is miraculous provision, but it would breed worms or melt if not consumed in a day. I feel this fantastic phenomenon points to one thing, the emphasis of daily. It is key. God's provision is daily. I think we need to learn this lesson along with the children in South Korea. We want to fall asleep with the physical assurance that our needs will be met the following day because knowing that we have built up a kitchen full of food, a closet full of medicine, and an impressive following on Twitter is a lot easier than having faith each day that God will provide for that day. God wants to bring us to a place where we trust in His provision so much that we don't need to fall asleep holding a loaf of bread or whatever it is in our life that we use as reassurance that our needs are taken care of. We are told not to worry, not to be anxious about tomorrow, due to being confident One, that the Lord knows what we need, Two, that He knows before and better than we do, Three, and that He can provide for needs that extend far beyond merely the physical. 
You've been listening to a down-tempo devotional from the Yakast, a young adult ministry of Crossroads Community Church. You can find out more about Crossroads by visiting their website, crossroadswired.com, or by attending a service at 1188 Park Avenue West in Mansfield, Ohio. Today's episode is titled Manna, and it was co-produced by me and my wife, Jocelyn Nicholas. It was adapted from a sermon Jocelyn gave in the student ministry at Crossroads. Our music from today's episode is a song titled Manna by the band Trooper, and we've had them on the cast before. T-R-O-U-P-E-R, and you can find out more about them by visiting their website, troopermusic.com. Our episode text comes from the English Standard Version, Matthew 6, John 4, Deuteronomy 8, and Exodus 16. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Yakast. Yeah